0: Well, in Holy Week 1916, I came to Dublin on Spy Wednesday. I came for the specific purpose of spending a holiday with uh, my fiancee, who was then a medical student in Dublin. Having arrived in Dublin, uh, I proceeded, as was my usual bent, to Dalier Street to see Sean McDermott, who was a personal friend of mine from the year 1910. As soon as he saw me, it was in the office of Irish Freedom, and he asked me when I came to Dublin and why I had come, and uh, made a few joking remarks about coming up to see my girl and how was she, and uh, whom he knew also. Then he asked me if I had heard anything, and I said uh, uh, no, I hadn't heard anything. Uh, Had I heard anything of importance? And I said uh, no, I hadn't heard anything. Well, uh, he said, is there any other reason why you're in town? I said no, that was the only reason. How long did I intend to stay? And I said that I intended to stay over until after Easter Monday. He then asked me uh, if the, the stuff had been delivered, had been distributed. The stuff that he referred to was a consignment of small arms and ammunition that had come into my possession on the basis of a delivery note that was sent to me by Dr. McCartan from, Athlo- from Tyrone. Uh, I took delivery of this... Myself alone uh, early in 1916, I would say towards the end of February or beginning of March.
1: This was in Derry.
0: In Derry. Mm. Uh, This stuff was about half a ton of stuff. Uh, I had kept under my own supervision and in safety, and it was in my possession at the time. Uh, He asked me if uh, Dr. McCartan had been down with me and uh, had given me any directions about it, and I said no, that uh, he had been down and inquired as to whether it was safe, and uh, he had tea with me in my own home, and I told him that he could inspect it, that it was perfectly safe, but he didn't give me any instructions as to the distribution of it. So... uh, Mcdermott Sean then said to me, "That stuff will have to be distributed." I was in a room alone with him in the inner room. There were two rooms in the in, this, in the flat on the flat where the Irish freedom was produced, and I was in the inner room with him alone. And he said that he had some very important information to give to me. And he gave me again the oath of allegiance the I.R.B. oath, uh, and uh, first of strict, strictest possible secrecy. Having taken the oath again, he then told me that they were striking on Sunday night at six o'clock and uh, both of us shook hands. And I said that I was f- very uh, lucky being in Dublin because I was always afraid that communications with Derry would break down and that we would be left out of the fight. Well, he said, I'm afraid, he said, you won't be in Dublin on Sunday night because each man is required in his own area. I beseeched him, and he said, I beseeched for permission to stay, and he said, no, you will have to get back apart altogether from the work that you will do have to do that stuff must be distributed. I want you to take your brother Seamus with you and go back tonight, that was Holy Thursday night, go back tonight to Derry and get in touch with Dr. McCartan and tell him that you have instructions from me, that is Sean McDermott, to distribute this stuff and give Dr. McCartan the opportunity of taking from it whatever his requirements whatever his, his requirements needed and to distribute the rest uh, by sending back with Seamus as much as he could carry and keeping the rest for Derry. So I told him that I would find it very difficult taking Seamus back with me on such short notice uh, unless I have I told him and I would prefer that he, Sean McDermott, would tell him himself. Uh, So he told me then to ask Seamus to come down to see him. So I proceeded to Connock Street where my brother lived and I told Seamus that uh, Sean McDermott wanted him and uh, I went off for the evening. That evening I contacted Seamus again and he told me then that Sean McDermott had told him to come along with me to Derry. And uh, we had to make some excuse, both to my attendant and his wife, as to where we were going and what we were going to do. And I manufactured the story that my sister Mary, who was ill, actually, at the time I left Derry, had had a turn for the worse, and that both of us were summoned home. So on the uh, night mail train, we left Damien Street, and we landed in Derry at somewhere about three o 'clock on Good Friday morning instead of going to, uh, directly to our home, which was some distance from the station, and uh, feeling that we would be drawing attention more or less to our presence to the old town as well as knocking up the people in the street that hour of the morning, we decided to stay in an hotel, the metropole at the, at the great northern station we rang a hotel bell and got in, and we weren't, weren't quite uh, in the hotel registering when uh, another bell rang, and uh, um, an RIC detective came in. He asked me why I was staying there and why I wasn't going home, and I told him that I wasn't going home because I didn't want to disturb my parents at that hour the morning. We went to bed. And he was
1: satisfied with that, was he?
0: He was... He seemed to have been. He examined to see whether we had registered in our own names, which we had, mm. and uh, he went off. We went to bed, and the following morning at about nine o'clock, we appeared at our own home. I had the task then of getting in touch with Dr. McCartan, and immediately I contacted Sam Sherrod, who was uh, uh, in William Street, and uh, I'm nearly certain it was Sher- Sherrod's car that I took because. Uh, uh, um, I'm I'm not quite certain of that, but at any rate it was a car from William Street and it wasn't Johnny Doherty's, which was the usual car that I I had uh, engaged. But uh, I took my sister Roisin with me into Tyrone to contact McCartan, and drove straight to Gorchin, which was his dispensary district, at least that was the information that I had. And uh, the lady so in charge... That were Ch- to
1: go to Garton
0: Yeah, that to I was, contact uh, him there. I, well, I had to go to Garton to contact him there, and when I got to Garton, I was talked to the woman of the house, I presume the caretaker of the Garton dispensary, and uh, she told me that Dr McCartin wasn't there, and that he hadn't been there the day before, or the day before that, and that she didn't know where he was or how she could get in touch with him. So then I said that I would leave uh, a note... And I left a note to the effect that I had been instructed from Dublin to distribute the stuff without mentioning what it was, and that if he had any, if he required any of it, to, to send me the requisitions and that it would be kept for him. Mm-hmm. And I returned to Dublin. I uh, had uh, given instructions in Derry uh, to have the to the volunteer to the my own. O.C., who didn't know actually how much of the stuff, how much stuff I had in my possession as a result of the coup that I had accomplished myself, I told him uh, that uh, two two portmanteaus of this stuff would have to be packed to enable Seamus to take it to Dublin the following Saturday morning, and uh, I wanted to get the other remains of it so placed that it could be. Uh, handed around in the event of Mr. Dr. McCartan sending down any requisition. So I got back to town on Friday evening having left that message in Gotchen and uh, got no message from Dr. McCartan but my brother Seamus set off on uh, the half past, twenty past seven train from Derry on Easter Saturday morning for Dublin and I was left in Dublin I should say... I was left in Derry. Yeah. I should
1: say he that brought the, the he, he brought that and
0: ammunition and small arms to Dublin with him, which would you hand it over to the volunteers. I should say that when I was saying goodbye to Sean McDermott, I, I pointed out to him that I was afraid that uh, we would be left out of the fight at the people in Derry as... I had been always conscious of the fact that we were more or less isolated and that there were very poor communications. He told me not to worry that we would have our communications, our direct directions, or orders given to us all right. I still insisted that there was a possibility uh, that uh, we wouldn't get our orders and asked him what was the position in regard to us in the event of orders not coming. At that stage, he told me that if no orders came by nine o'clock on Saturday on Sunday night, that uh, we would be at liberty to strike. On Saturday, I uh, was at my father's business place, where I had worked, that, where I worked at that particular time, and having contacted my O.C., who was Seamus Kavanagh, who now dead, got in to him. I told Seamus Kavanagh that I had been to Dublin and that I was told in Dublin that very important orders were due to come to him through me uh, or direct to himself sometime during the day on Saturday. And I asked him that uh, I told him also that I was told to tell him to report to me every hour on the hour uh, in, in Derry so that we would get these orders into each other's hands as quickly as possible. I did not tell him that the rising was to take place because I had no authority to tell him that until nine o'clock at night. So every hour on the hour during that Saturday, Seamus Kavanagh reported to me at, uh, at the, my, the office of my father's business. Now, he was the OC, although I was uh, uh, in charge of a company uh, he was reporting to me, not for the purpose of, of uh, collecting orders that were supposed to come either through me or direct to him. So no orders came direct to him or to me until up to, up to nine o'clock on Saturday night. And at that hour, I then closed the office door and I told him the position in regard to the uh, rising and that there was striking as I was told in Dublin at six o'clock on Sunday night and that we and Derry would be free if we got no further orders to strike at nine so uh, he shook my hand and said something like at last the days come or something like that and he instructed me to meet him the following morning at nine o'clock so uh, The following morning, I got up and went to 8 o'clock Mass. I mention that because when I came home from 8 o'clock Mass, the morning post and Sunday morning posters at that time was delivered. And on that post, there was a letter for me from Dr. McCartan. And that letter read as follows, to the best of my recollection, Go to, I think it was a White Horse Hotel, but an hotel in Strabane at any rate, designated by name, and take a message there from Seamus uh, Cassidy. I had never met Seamus Cassidy in my life. I didn't know what he looked like, and I didn't know where he lived, what he did, or what position he had in any organization as far as Ireland was concerned. But I had these instructions from McCartan, and I put the letter in my pocket to take with me to meet uh, my own OC at nine. On my way to meet him at the uh, cattle pens dairy behind the uh, on the on the keys where we had arranged, I had to pass uh, the stationery shop of Charlie Breslin, who is also dead now. God be merciful to him. Charlie Breslin was a member of the volunteers and had been a staunch friend of Ireland throughout his whole life. He was a Donny man. And he was the person who stocked all of the national papers, etc., etc., uh, during uh, the period that uh, uh, these papers were in circulation. On that particular morning, Easter Sunday morning, I called and I bought the uh, morning independent, Sunday independent. And in the Sunday independent, there was a countermanding order from Old McNeil. When I therefore reached uh, Seamus Kavanagh, my O.C., I had the countermanding order of McNeils on the Independent, and I also had a letter from Dr. McCartan. Both of these were handed to uh, Seamus, and uh, he read them, and we discussed the possibility of uh, the message that, we were to, that I was to collect in Sturban, that it could be either one or other of two things uh, confirming... Owen McNeil's uh, countermanding order or telling us not to take any notice of it. It's interesting at this stage to to say that both of us were afraid that the countermanding order should be uh, looked upon as a ruse rather than anything else. Uh-huh. I was ordered by my O.C. to proceed to Straban and to take the message from Seamus Cassidy. I immediately made such arrangements and uh, went with John Johnny Corney Doherty on a sidecar, the Straban. <clears throat> uh, when I got to Straban, I called at this hotel and I could get no reply. Uh, finally, a woman put her head fra- uh, uh, out a window and asked me what did I want. I told her that I wanted to speak to Seamus Cassidy and she told me that he wasn't there. And, that he had gone home. I said, where did he live? And she told me that he lived in Ballybuffet. I asked her for the address. She didn't know the address, but she said that he lived in, this, in a house where singer Sean Mishaw machine had a, a display her office. And so I then thanked her and sent the car back, the sidecar back to to uh, Derry and hired through Dan Doherty of Strabane, who was also dead, God be merciful to him, uh, a Ford car driven by a boy called Quigley and drove into a buffet. I got to the house, uh, found out the senior show machine shop and uh, made inquiries there for Cassidy and I was told that, that he had gone up to Broadbins, another name of a man whom I hadn't known before. I had never met and I hadn't heard the name mentioned ever before, however I went up there and as far as I recollect it was a pub but I'm not quite sure of that. Uh, it was a shop anywhere, at least it had a shop front. And uh, as it being Sunday morning, of course, there was no evidence of any sales or anything like that, but when I made inquiries there, I was told that Broadman and Cassidy had gone out on a uh, cockfighting expedition. I asked them what road they had gone, and they told me that they had gone out on the gap road. So, Did uh, the
1: cockfighting convey anything to you? Or no, did it you didn't convey that? anything
0: to me, except that it's, it probably it was the excuse given by them on their way out to do something in connection with the, the day's work for volunteers. So I told uh, young Quigley to drive me up the Gap Road and we went up the Gap Road and had scouted round in all directions, but we could see no two men walking or otherwise uh, on the road or in any of the fields around about. Searched for a considerable time and uh, I couldn't find anybody. My time was limited because I had to get back to Derry before nine o'clock that night. Uh, And uh, as we were, we were supposed to strike at that time and not being able to contact either Cassidy or anybody else uh, came back to, I came down to uh, uh, Derry with, uh, with Quigley in Quigley's car. It was a very wet night and uh, I told him to wait for me while I consulted with a, a friend in Derry. He didn't know what, what job I was on this particular boy, but well, he was quite, quite a good boy. Uh, I immediately reported to my OC that I could get nobody of the name Cassidy or either there or the other place directed in Balaba Buffet, and uh, then he decided to call the officers of the uh, volunteers. Now, these men had ho- held uh, officer rank, but uh, in view of the smallness of uh, the crowd that the volunteers, original volunteers had dwindled to, some of them had no command but they were all brought in at any rate and we met upstairs in Breslins, where I had bought the morning paper. And it was then somewhere about eight o'clock in the evening, and uh, at that meeting it was disclosed to them uh, why they were called together, what had happened in the meantime. They uh, let the uh, orders that had come from Dublin through me and uh, they had more or less a council of war and they decided to send me back into Tyrone again to get in touch with McCartan at all costs, and that in the meantime they would mobile the volunteers in Derry would be mobilised under arms. So I was armed uh, and proceeded to uh, go into Tyrone again to get McCartan. And uh, <clears throat> on the way, I collected to Dan Doherty of Strabane, who came with me through the night. We went up and into Gortyn again and into Carrickmore, as by far car- as I recall, by, by motor car. Mm-hmm. and we were travelling through the night, but I could get no uh, hint or of where McCartan was. But somebody mentioned that he might be with Dr. Paddy O'Doherty, who was a relative of mine and was at RMS in the Ulmer Hospital. And uh, at uh, on that night, uh, uh, around midnight or thereabouts, I think, I called on him at Ulmer uh, Mental Hospital, to find out if he knew where McCartan was, or if McCartan was with him, or if we could get in contact with him, and he didn't know anything about McCartan, or where he was. So I then uh, headed back for Derry. Now, my reason for going back to Derry at that particular hour in the morning was that before leaving, it was decided by the group in Derry that if I didn't return by 6 o'clock in the morning, that was 6 o'clock on Monday morning, that they would take it for, gra- they would take it for granted that I had either been captured or killed, and that they would start to fight. So that, uh, as I could not... It was during the night that I realised the more or less silliness of this decision, because I could have been delayed past 6 o'clock in the morning through breakdown of the car and so on, and I was rather agitated to get back... As near as possible to six, fearing anything would happen that would uh, that would militate against the volunteer position. So uh, we started back, and beyond Newton Stewart, somewhere on the Newton Stewart side of Derry, uh, the night train from Dublin came. That's the train that left Dublin at nine o'clock the night before. Uh, so that I knew then, when I saw the night mail train going through, that there was no possibility of any flight having taken place in Dublin on Sunday at six o'clock as pre-arranged. So uh, I, got into Do- I got into Derry then at about uh, about five minutes to six and I was coming across Foyle Street on the way to where the boys were mobilised in our own stables at the top of William Street and on the way across Foyle Street I met my OC and they had come to the same conclusion uh, during the night that it would be silly to, to take any action if I didn't return, and that they had they had dispersed just at about ten minutes to twelve or a quarter to six. So I went home uh, then, and uh, I made the excuse at home that uh, I had been out on volunteer work during the night, and I went off to bed. Sometime early in the morning, I was awakened. Uh, when I say early, that is... I went to bed sometime around half past seven and at about uh, 10 o'clock i'd say i got uh, a telegram from dublin who came up and waked me and handed me a telegram from dublin and it was from my my betrothed uh, asking me to come back she then knew that uh, seamus had returned to dublin and of course uh, Having been told that my sister was ill, she came to the conclusion that it couldn't be too bad when Shemis was and for me to come on up and she was on holidays and keep my keep my apartment you see, with her. Yes.
1: This was Monday morning. This is Monday morning. Yes.
0: So I I sent her a plant to say that I would go up, I think it was the following day. And uh, when they Telegram went down when my messenger—I think it was my sister—rose again, went down with it to the post office. She came back to say that they wouldn't take the telegram as there was no communication with Dublin. So I got up out of bed immediately and went straight to the post office myself. And I went in and I wrote a telegram. And when I went into the post office, I discovered that there was a, an RIC man outside the post office counter and there was a a, a detective sitting inside the counter. However, I wrote my telegram, and I handed it to um, to the, the, the clerk in the post office, and they said they weren't taking any telegrams from Dublin. I asked why, and they told me that uh, this particular clerk told me that communication is broken down, and he said it was a dreadful night and that uh, the wires were down. Well, I knew that they went down because I had already received a telegram that morning yes. from Dublin, and... I immediately then went to my OC and I told him these circumstances. So he decided to remobilize the volunteers again for that for Monday night and they were remobilized for Monday night. Uh, we got information then, there were rumours going around during the day the fighting was taking place in Dublin, but not very definite rumours. But at any rate, we were satisfied that fighting was going on from what took place and what we had already known. And it was uh, suggested to us that uh, action, we would take action on the following morning, on Tuesday. Uh, uh, Tuesday, we had information from one of our members who was scouting in the emigrant barracks to the effect that troops were leaving Derry on Tuesday. Whether these troops were going to Dublin or elsewhere, I don't know, but they were leaving Derry at any rate, and it was said that we'd blow the train up. On Tuesday evening, I think, it was to leave. Mm-hmm. So on Tuesday morning... Uh, 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 well, a before message, that, hadn't yeah.
1: some of the boys gone to the pictures that night, too, and seen notices in oh, yes. the
0: cinema? Yeah, that is quite true. When, the, when notification was sent out to, for a remobilisation of the volunteers, and they were waiting for the boys to assemble, some of the boys came along and said that they had been to the pictures that night, and that on the screen was thrown a mobilisation that all men in British uniforms should report immediately to Ablington Barracks. Well, that confirmed our views then, and it was at more or less at that stage that we had decided that uh, men would be under arms during the night and that uh, uh, the following day that uh, action would be taken. On Tuesday, early on Tuesday morning, I'm not quite certain of the time, Barney McKenna from Straban, a man whom I had never met before but whom I got to know su- subsequently very well, uh, came down to Derry and rep- and reported to me to the effect that he had been sent with a message from McCartan, whether he got it directly from Dr. McCartan or not, I don't know, but the message was as follows. Uh, Hold in readiness with you tomorrow or Thursday. Now, that tied the hands of the group of volunteers in Derry until Thursday. And by that time, there were all sorts of rumours going Rumours that uh, that Germans had made landings even as near to us as the Donegal coast, that Germans had made landings on the west and in the south. Also rumours to the effect that the volunteers had been defeated and that they, as everything, as the whole fight was over, etc., etc. But on a our hands at any rate until Thursday, we didn't know what to do, where to turn. We had no message from anybody, no contact with anybody. We, never were, volu- we were never mobilised for... Uh, Coal Island, where I understood subsequently lots of the Ulster volunteers had assembled, but I can assure you that no message ever came from anybody in the north of Ireland to us in regard to what should be done, where we should go, what we should do, what arms we should have, or anything else.
1: So it was all over practically by then, anyhow. It was all over by then,
0: and we were arrested the following
1: week. Kahala, I wonder if you could give us just some idea of the background to 1916
2: in the North? Well, very briefly, in the North, like everywhere else, its connection with the uh, Easter week, uh, it came through the IRB. There was an old tradition in a number of IRB circles in Belfast, Derry, Derry County, Tyrone, various other places, and that uh, was really the background uh, in, in Belfast and, uh, and the North. Uh, what you might call an immediate thing was the outbreak of the war in 1914, uh, or rather uh, the split in the, the volunteers after that. But however, at the outbreak of the war, James Connolly asked me to go to Denny McCullough, whom I think he suspected was a member of the Supreme Council of the IRB, to tell him to tell his friends in Dublin, meaning, of course, the IRB, that he was prepared to cooperate with them in insurrection before the war would finish. Now, the next thing I think that we might... Uh, come on to uh, from that would be uh, uh, 1915 uh, there was a good deal of connection between Pierce Connolly McDermott, Clark and all that uh, back and forwards uh, as a matter of fact a number of the Easter week men were really uh, Northerns as you know very well Tom, uh, Tom Clark uh, was brought up in Dungannon and McDermott uh, was trained into nationalism in Belfast and then there was Denny McCullough and Bulmer Hobson and various other people like uh, like that. But uh, take uh, now, in, uh, uh, well, really, uh, be better to come on to uh, near Easter week itself. And that was in uh, February uh, 1916, uh, shortly after Connolly's alleged kidnapping. He wasn't kidnapped, of course, at all. But after that, shortly after that, I asked Connolly. Uh, any uh, news of anything doing or anything like that Uh, well to see uh, the date is fixed Uh, definitely fixed not as early as I'd have liked Uh, but it's fixed definitely and it will do he couldn't he told me tell me when it was because that wasn't to be disclosed uh, as uh, five others and himself were on the oath not to disclose it until the time came for insurrection uh, I guessed that three of the others would be Pierce, Clark, and McDermott. I didn't know, obviously, I think the other two must have been Plunkett and Kent. But uh, that, I think, uh, was the nearest uh, we could get. Now, sometime after that, not very long, I think, in the next month, uh, March, the beginning of March, Pierce came up to Belfast to deliver uh, in St Mary's Hall for the volunteers uh, the annual uh, Emmett commemoration. Uh, lecture. Uh, after his lecture, he came along to me and said that uh, I was asked by McDermott or some of them in Dublin uh, to go to Balnya and do the lecture there because He Archie Herne, the volunteer organiser, had been deported or ordered out of uh, Kevin and Balnya. I came on to uh, Dublin uh, from Balnya, uh, called on Connolly, uh, told Connolly something that uh, Hobson was supposed to have said to uh, Joe, uh, the late Joe Connolly. Uh, Connolly asked me to go up uh, to Clark and tell Clark that. I went up to Clark and Clark was, well, he was uh, very peeved over the whole thing. But however, that wasn't the really important thing. I think the really important thing was, Clark asked me if Connolly had given me anything. I said, no, he hadn't. Well, so see, go back to him now uh, and ask him for that. And he emphasised the word that. Uh, and take it back uh, with you to McCullough and Belfast. I went back to Connolly. Connolly told him uh, Clark's message. Uh, Connolly produced a paper in his own very crabbed handwriting and uh, uh, dictated or read it out to me, although I could have read it uh, uh, myself. And an outline briefly, uh, it was uh, uh, plans for the mobilisation of the companies of the volunteers in the north for insurrection no date or anything like that or no orders or anything like that but just assembly points and one thing or another like that when i uh, looked What's at was uh, island mentioned by the way yes uh, well uh, i'm not quite sure mm-hmm. I'm, I'm i'm not quite sure i mean i'm rather vague on the on the details of the thing <coughs> but uh, it was for the mobilization of the northern companies of the volunteers and as far as i recollect uh, the idea was some sort of an approach from the north from ulster over into Connacht, there was some question of the line of the Shannon or something like that, but mm-hmm. I'm not very clear on details or anything like that.
1: Well, did you ever hear why Coal Island was selected? Uh,
2: well, I never did. No, mm-hmm. I uh, I didn't know that at all. So but that it, it was more or
1: less on the route, uh, if they were going west, say through Carrickmore and the west part of Tyrone, or.
2: It, it 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 would be. be it would be thereabouts would be a good assembly point uh, from uh, from for the Belfast people and the Tyrone um, people. And then it was uh, a good
1: nationalist area. Oh, very
2: strongly, and I mean that part of Tyrone was very strongly and strongly republican and IRB, Dunghan uh, and all that. There were a great number of uh, well, I don't say a great many, uh, but very strong uh, national uh, republican feeling and IRB circles are, are around there. Now. Uh, When Connolly gave me this, I made some comment uh, about it, and to some comment of mine uh, about the bigness of the task that uh, the papers seemed to set out for the Ulster uh, companies, uh, I rather was sceptical about it. Connolly replied, and he said that he was assured that the forces in the North were sufficient for that job, whatever it was. He agreed uh, that, to his own knowledge, of course, uh, we were... part of the few in Belfast, and they expressed surprise uh, when I doubted if the volunteers in any other part of the north were as many or more than the hundred or hundred and fifty or so that we had in, in, in Belfast. Uh, so that was, uh, uh, now that that would be I think in uh, sometime in March, that would be in March. Now the next thing I think that, uh, and in these things, uh, I only want to speak of what I know personally, not what somebody said afterwards or what somebody said at the time, but my own personal knowledge of the thing. The next thing I think that we should come to is really to the mobilisation on uh, the eve of uh, Easter Sunday. Uh, we were called together in the Hudson Willow Bank in Belfast. That was our drill hall. Of course, uh, after the split, we were only about a 100 or 150 volunteers, and uh, maybe two or three dozen, if there were two or three dozen. Uh, IRB men, maybe not two or three dozen, but uh, Fianna boys and all that.
1: How many of them would there have
2: been? Well, now they would have been uh, as numerous as the volunteers, I think, because there were three or four companies of them and there was a, girl's, there was a girl, the only girl slew of the Fianna were in Belfast. And then, of course, there were the common a man as well. <laughs> Excuse me. But on Good Friday, Thursday night and uh, Friday night, uh, we were called to the huts and we were numbered off in various contingents uh, for uh, mobilization in Tyrone for Easter Sunday we were to travel by three trains and uh, three lots from Belfast uh, about uh, two o'clock was one of them and one about between three and four and one between uh, uh, nine uh, ten nine nine and ten I think it was as a matter of fact uh, near 10. Uh, for Saturday, that's for Saturday night. Uh, men in charge of these were Sean Kelly, an old Fianna Boy, a Charlie McDowell, a Sean McGoran, uh, and I think Archie Hen. Uh, some of the men had been already sent up uh, to Tyrone, uh, Seamus Dempsey, and I think there were a couple of men uh, from Scotland uh, were there. Now, I was to travel on the 3 o'clock or 3.40 or 3.50 10 or whatever it was, on the Saturday, my contingent. But unfortunately, when I got home to lunch, I found that there was a conscientious objector there had been carted over to me from Scotland, and I was asked to look after him. I had to spend... A good man in that position. Well, it was, I was going to go to war, and there I was (laughs) giving shelter to a man who was dead against war, and a (laughs) Scotsman at that. But anyhow, I had to spend several hours, couldn't get away on the train that I should have gone, and didn't get until the 9.50 or whatever it was at night. And then that was to to Coal Island. We understood that we would be joined in Coal Island on the Sunday uh, by uh, Tyrone contingents, but we didn't know a great deal uh, about that. But anyhow, I went on and got to uh, Coal Island and found that the men uh, were there, uh, our men were there encamped. And uh, whether it was because I had missed my proper train, I was put on sentry century for most of the the night. As a punishment, you think? Well, I don't know, <laughs> but anyhow, I was put on Sentinel Go, yes. uh, at all events. Uh, Dennis McCullough, of course, was the officer in charge, uh, but the working officer in charge was uh, Peter Burns, who's now uh, dead. But Dennis McCullough, of course, was the centre of the uh, organisation, the IRB in Belfast, and uh, some of us knew, uh, those of us who were centres and uh, had work to do, and other centres knew that he was a member of the Supreme Council of the IRB, but we didn't know, of course, that he actually, at the time, was president of the Supreme uh, Council at that particular time. Now, uh, on Sunday forenoon sometime or other, I happened to be reading a book. Uh, We'd all been at mass, and we were resting, talking, and or another knocking around, uh, when a message came to me to tell me that uh, McCullough wanted to see me. I got up and went to where McCullough was, and with McCullough was Dr. Pat McCartan, who was also a very prominent, uh, very prominent uh, IRB man whom I knew very well. Uh, McCullough, and they had with him a chap called a man called Pim, Herbert Moore Pim, who, who was not of any great consequence, certainly not in the IRB or anything like that. But anyhow, uh, I gathered from McCullough uh, that there was some question who had arisen whether or not. Uh, our men should remain uh, where they were in Tyrone or go back uh, or go back home. Uh, that was a bit of a, uh, a puzzle to me. Some of us had been disappointed that uh, we hadn't seen very many of the Tyrone men whom we expected. But anyhow, I was told something about a motor car arriving there, something whether it was that morning or not, I don't know. But uh, uh, as far as I can remember, and in these things, You've got to
1: depend on your own memory. Well, really, the recollection.
2: We should uh, give no more than one's clear memory. It was put to me by McCullough that men in a position to judge, I gathered that the men in the position to judge he was referring to were a Father Coyle, uh, Father Coyle, and a Father Daly, that they had come to the conclusion that the Belfast men should return home, that for all practical purposes, the only body in arms or likely to be uh, in arms uh, in the north was the Belfast contingent, uh, and that if they uh, remained uh, there, they were likely to be the object of attack. Uh, It was uh, suggested that uh, uh, Father Doyle, Father Coyle and Father Daly had said uh, that they would not allow the Tyrone volunteers to go outside their own county. And the plans were that the whole contingents were to go out. I understood uh, a way to in the direction of Connacht. But at all events, uh, that was the position then, uh, and uh, I was asked what did I think of it. Well, I objected immediately to the whole idea of returning home, and without getting a definite, uh, getting it definitely in so many words, I gathered quite clearly and definitely that whatever was on for that day was now off. Pym a yard or two distance, uh, confined himself to scornful expressions, and my attitude is foolish. Well, that finished uh, the consultation as far as I was concerned. And McCartan was there, and he seemed very undecided. But to do him, just as he said, that whatever, sometimes he seemed to be for his remaining, sometimes for his going, uh, but to do him justice, he said that whatever was decided on, uh, he would uh, fall in with it, and uh, he would take yes, mm. and he would take whatever consequences were coming.
1: Well, do you remember much then, Cahal, of what you did during the day on the Sunday in Coal Island?
2: Well, I didn't do very much because, as a matter of fact, I was uh, reading uh, a book called In the Midst of War by an American, Ambrose Bierce. A very was, suitable uh, book, too. <laughs> well, yes, no, but I was reading a, uh, an even more interesting thing. Father Toll's uh, uh, edition of Torechter Lord Christa, which had uh, only just then come out. You know the thing, The yes, imitation of, yeah. of Christ. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it had just come out, and I had it, and it was like a prayer book for me there. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't remember very much until sometime uh, later on we got the order to fall in. We fell in, and we were marched off. Now, on the march, there was a good deal of speculation among those in the ranks around me uh, as to what direction we were going in. Uh, none of them knew very well, and none of us knew very well where we were going, except, of course, the officers uh, in command. But, of course, when I got to Stuartstown, I knew Stuartstown very well because I'd been there nine years before and had been on a holiday in the House of... Uh, Joe McKelvey's mother, and I knew Stuartstown, and then I said, we're for home, we're going to Cookstown, we're for home, and it was to Cookstown, and uh, on the train on the Northern Counties Railway from Cookstown to, uh, to Belfast. But uh, uh, in or about Cookstown, or the borders of Cookstown, a shot was fired by one of our men uh, in the bank, uh, bank uh, ranks, uh, and two of our men were arrested, a man named John Dillon and another named Jerry Horley. Jerry was a very good fellow, as a matter of fact, he was an officer in the IRA in the Black and Tan War and was killed, I don't know whether it was at Clonmolk, but in one of the fights in County Cork. A very good fellow indeed. Well, anyhow, we were arrived in Belfast and we dispersed there, and some of us went to the Gaelic League rooms, the Crave Rua, uh, where we often assembled at night, discussing what the devil uh, had happened and all that, but not knowing very, uh, very much about it. When in came Albert Cotton, Albert Cotton was a volunteer, a Belfast man a Protestant. had been an organiser for the volunteers in Kerry, but had been ordered out of it and was in Belfast, and he brought in uh, the news about McNeil's counter-order from the Sunday Independent. That certainly was the first time that I heard, or most of us heard, anything about the counter-order. We heard nothing about it in uh, the camp at Coal Island or anything like that, and it didn't appear then that our orders were in... Uh, departure from Coal Island was in response uh, to that counter-order. However, that's another day's uh, question. Uh, thinking uh, that something must surely be wrong, I left uh, the Crave Rue and went to the post office in Royal Avenue in Belfast, brought a young Fianna boy with me named Wardlow, and what I wanted to do was to try and get on the telephone to Liberty Hall, to Connolly, to see what the devil had happened. But of course I wasn't able to get through on the telephone, in spite of all my efforts. Afterwards, as it transpired, uh, there was a meeting, I think, of the military council there, but we knew nothing about that kind of thing. Then I told Cotton when I came back that I would head off for Belfast first train in the morning. He said that he was on orders to report to the volunteers on Monday morning in Dublin uh, it was agreed then that he would go on, report back to us and that I would remain. Now we were in no news on the Monday and we were all at all sorts of ends on Monday wondering what the devil had happened when news came to us on Monday night about the fighting in, about the fighting in Dublin. That uh, set us all agog and there was an attempt then uh, made by a number of the men, Sam Hearn, Liam Gaynor, uh, Seamus Dobbin, I think, and uh, a few more to try to remobilize our Belfast men, and a number of them were got together in a place called the Convent Fields, and we argued there for hours till the early hours of the morning. But nothing was done. The idea, I think, then and on Tuesday, was to try to remobilize our men in Belfast and try and get a, a way back to uh, Tyrone to join up again with the Tyrone men, whom, by the way, we didn't see much of. Although I think that a party of cyclists, some fifteen or twenty of them, had. Uh, paid a visit to a camp or something like that. But anyhow, things looked so black and so blue uh, that a couple of others, one of them was Dan Braniff and myself, decided on the Tuesday that we'd set off for Dublin uh, to join in the fighting if we could. Uh, Dan and I did set off on the Wednesday and uh, uh, down to county down by uh, uh, by a train then on foot most of the way. We tried, we heard in Louth about McEntees a uh, troop operating there, we tried to join them but we didn't uh, come across them, came on, then we heard in me, about uh, fighting again, we didn't know who it was, but it was uh, obviously uh, uh, the company the Tom Ash and Dick Mulcahy, but we weren't able uh, to get uh, them either, so we came on to Dublin, uh, right through to Dublin, uh, to Foopsborough, got a bit of a lift in from Finglas uh, to Foopsborough, and uh, then uh, got uh, managed by a bit of manoeuvring, got through the lines uh, uh, at uh, the, uh, there's a public house there, I forget the name, but down Whitworth Road, and I made state for the house of Koo Woola, Paddy McGinley, whom I knew lived in Dramcondera Road. (coughs) That really was the termination, so far as I was concerned, of the connection with the fighting, uh, or the Easter week uh, in, Uh, in the north. We found the old coup in very good form and one of the things he said, he must have been studying operations, one of the things he said was that if everybody had turned out as they should have turned out on Easter Monday in Dublin, he thought that the uh, boys, as he called them, would have been able to last not one week but another week. Mm -hmm. Uh, Then came back, uh, Braniff and I came back and I was arrested in Belfast and next thing didn't meet any of our Belfast men until I met him again uh, and at the end of the, towards the end of the week in, in uh, Belfast jail. Now, actually it's as well that I should mention it there were a number of Belfast people or people with Belfast connections who were in the actual fighting and the actual rising. Connolly of course and McDermott were executed McDermott had got his training his nicest training in Belfast but there was also before uh, the actual fighting, it was Charlie Monaghan a Belfast man living here in Dublin. He was one of the three who were drowned at Ballykesan Pier uh, on the Good Friday or whatever time it was, just before the thing. And there was also his brother, Alf Monaghan, uh, who was pretty well known in the Gaelic League. Alf was fighting in uh, uh, Liam Mello's uh, contingent uh, uh, over in uh, Galway. Uh, then there was Harry Seals, one of our Belfast boys, was very badly wounded in the fighting here in Dublin. So badly wounded like that, like Carl Brew and Liam Clark, uh, he wasn't imprisoned or anything uh, anything like that. Sean McEntee, of course, Belfast man, was in command of the volunteers in Louth and then went on to the post office in Dublin. There were a number of the coming of man girls to took part too. Some of them had come to Tyrone. Winifred Carney, uh, one of them, uh, an associate of ours in the Irish Transport Union. Uh, she was in the GPO acting as a sort of civil secretary uh, to and Connolly during the fighting, and then there was Nora and Dinah Connolly who came on from Tyrone uh, to Dublin, uh, Eileen Carr and some others, and acted as couriers. That uh, is, in brief, my connection with Ulster and Ulster in Easter Week 16. Well,
1: there's just one question I'd like to ask. Did you ever hear that Connolly had said that there wasn't to be a shot fired in Ulster, that that decision had been made sometime before nineteen, before the Rising? Uh,
2: well, I have that from Dennis McCullough and uh, I don't doubt Dennis's word on, on, on that uh, because my, as I've said, my recollection is that uh, the contingents, that the Ulster contingents were to go into Connacht on the line of the, uh, the Shannon uh, and injustice to uh, McCullough I must say that McCullough disclaims uh, getting uh, from me uh, that uh, plan that I referred to that uh, Clark got me to get from Conley. but uh, to McCullough uh, is very positive that uh, the orders were that there wasn't to be a shot fired in Ulster yeah. but personally I have no I have no knowledge of that after all in the actual fighting I was simply an ordinary private volunteer although I was uh, prominent and active and uh, 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 had the confidence of the IRB men but that was in the IR, IRB. Well, w-
1: Would you think it possible that uh, Connolly might have changed his mind when Nora came back from Tyrone with the word that there had been a mobilization and that something might be possible?
2: Uh, well uh, it's possible uh, it's quite possible that uh, when Nora b- brought him word uh, that uh, men had actually mobilized and. Uh, in Tyrone, it's quite possible that uh, there may have been a change uh, of plan or of opinion. Uh, but you never heard of any plans for Tyrone itself, or n- any I taking of n- barracks n- and tax? No, anything no, like I, that? I never heard anything definite uh, uh, about uh, that at all. But I think that it's quite possible, because the circumstances under which the Rising actually took place on the Monday... Different from the circumstances uh, which would have yeah, been visits. prevailing uh, on mm-hmm. the Sunday,
3: mm-hmm.
2: and it's quite possible that there may have been changes and that uh, uh, the couriers carried uh, different instructions from what they uh, from what had originally been planned.
1: Now, Sean, do you remember getting your orders
3: on just before Easter 1916 Holy Thursday night? I was mobilized by a chap called Sean Grubbin from Derry, who worked in Belfast. He was an IRB man? He was. And you were nearly all in the IRB? Yes. Yeah. Well, what were the orders? Uh, uh, three days' days, uh, rations and skeleton equipment. The arms had already gone up the week before Mm -hmm. to Cole Island. Mm-hmm. Well, When did you set out then for Tyrone? On uh, Saturday night, by train on the Great Northern, arrived in Dungannon and marched from Dungannon till uh Cole Island was billeted in St. Patrick's Hall, and guards and of course and all were mounted, and Easter Sunday morning went to Mass. In Cull Island Church. Uh, for the next couple of hours we just stayed about the hall, and later in the evening, word apparently came from Dublin countermanding the orders. And we were made a, a march from Cull Island till Cookstown and trained there for Belfast, mm-hmm. arriving on Easter Sunday night back in the city. Well, did anything happen on the way back from Coal Island? Uh, Anton Cookston, a, a part known as Gordelary, a shot was fired. And uh, when we were opposite the police barrack, a good distance from where that incident happened, the police rushed out and seized a man from the rear file. And uh, another chap attempted to rescue him, Jerry Hurley from Cork, who was later killed in the uh, town war in County Cork. They were both held where they... They both got um, six months. Mm-hmm. And you have no idea why the shot was fired? None, I can't say.
1: Well, we've got a few
4: Hamish. Yes, a few
1: months <laughs> ago. you
4: Oh, it was a few years
1: I was keen the
4: Well, have to
1: inject the East and River, Harlan first?
4: and Shackton River? Be, on a be bank.
1: Agen, hain,
4: hain, uh, a Willow bank. She's so a while. Because we should be train island be yes. be a train train we must a Henry Joy, Willie <laughs> <be>. Nelson, <laughs> uh,
1: I guess. to um, guess.
4: Well, this and girl it be uh any case the crinya who's I guess uh a I guess uh who to all doing couple of la uh couple of really well it was a
1: very,
4: When your other Well, i and la, Yeah.
1: Well, we'll we'll continue this in English, Seamus. You got orders anyhow on Good Friday, wasn't yes, it?
4: Yes. To have two days rations and uh, be ready uh, and to be at the Springfield Road corner. I'd be met there and uh, get ready to go. Uh, uh go by train to uh, Dungannon. And you got the train? I got the train, I couldn't just say when the, the time it was anyway, but uh, the, in the train I were, was, I had a number of uh, ground sheets, with, given a, a parcel of ground sheets, and uh, there was five or six in the train, and uh, had small arms, and we were getting them ready, and of course there were others there, who uh, didn't belong to the volunteers, and they were mystified to see uh, men with uh, small arms cleaning them there and talking. And and there was
1: no interference uh, with you. No
4: interference at all. I think that people were were much surprised. They didn't really understand what it was at that time. Of course, it yeah. was a holiday time at that time, and people were going on holidays, I suppose. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, anyhow, how many of you w- were there
4: altogether? I couldn't say how many, but Being it looked like it could be about, uh, well, uh, there was two of us. Fianna left Belfast on Saturday. Others of the Fianna, for instance, Sean Kelly and Seamus Dempsey um, and others had been in Coal Island, I think. But, earlier Earlier. Uh, the week? Earlier. Mm-hmm. Uh, we
1: but uh, w- would there be 200 men altogether in the...
4: Well, now, if there was 200, lot- there would be, yes, I would say. Uh, there wasn't 200 in our group. Uh, I suppose... It would be about 60 or so in the group that went with us. I'm not sure now. Mm-hmm. But I'd say it would be somewhere about 200 mm-hmm. from Bethesda altogether. Yeah.
1: Well, you arrived then in Dungannon. I
4: arrived in Dungannon. It was dark, and uh, then we, whatever, we were, at, uh, we were at ease outside the station, and then we had to get ready again and go to Coal Island. When we arrived in Coal Island, we you arrived some. Coal um, Island, did you? Well, some. Some marched. Well, when we arrived in Coal Island, uh, uh, some were billeted in a uh, in a hall. A, a, well, not a, I'd say it was a barn mm. on the right side of the street, just beside the hall, St Patrick's Hall, there, on the street going towards the chapel uh then we were different squads were were billeted here and there and we marched off to a place called derrytresk and we were billeted in a a little hall there which was a house a house and then in, in the house there was a a scroll above the mantelpiece to say welcome to the volunteers yes one said we had loaves and uh Sugar and uh, on the other side of the, we had uh, uh, boxes of cocoa milk and sugar and uh, smaller uh, uh, ammunition, small arms ammunition. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, you were a sort of quartermaster yourself, Seamus.
4: Well, uh, temporary, I operation. was. Uh, I was elected quartermaster, temporary, been one of the feinah there.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, what uh, to you look after
4: then? quartermaster, that was looking after the foodstuffs and carting the small arms ammunition and things like that.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, after mass on Sunday, what did you do?
4: Well, we, uh, we. We'll, we'll, by the way, you you were speaking of Derry Tresk. Mm-hmm. Before mass, we well, had to go and get uh, eggs and stuff for the for breakfast for the OC in Derry Tresk. And then we were uh, McWatters and I were uh, given an order, uh, some dispatch to go to for Coal Island. Mm-hmm. And we mar- we walked to Cole Island and uh, met uh, Peter Joe Barnes, uh, O.C., there, giving the dispatch. And then from Cole Island, we, we went to Mass. We went to Mass and Cole Island, of course, mm-hmm. and came back again. And then we had a forced march uh, to Cookstown, but at... When we arrived somewhere about Stewartstown, McWater and I uh, got orders to go by sidecar to Coal Island and arrange uh, refreshments for the volunteers.
3: Mm-hmm.
4: We remained some time in Coal Island, and uh, in a shop about the center of the main street in Coal Island, we couldn't get much but uh, Biscuits and minerals, and we waited there till uh, after some time we saw the main body of the volunteers coming from the end of the street up up the street, and we went by the side by the side car again down the street to meet them, and just over the barrack, uh, we had a bit of a tussle there with a with a police. Um, there were, it looked very serious uh there had been some shooting but they they all see then ordered them give orders not to fire
1: well did the police just charge into the volunteers the volunteers were
4: coming peacefully up the street and just at that uh, a squad of the police roisted at the at the volunteers through the volunteers mm. and uh,
3: the there OC, was a danger
4: then of, of, a, a, danger skirmish. Then, uh, of a skirmish and it mm. could have been I think we'd, uh, we could have captured we could have held took over <laughs> Coal Island yes. or took over rather uh, Cookstown yes. on that day but for the OC giving orders not to fire mm-hmm. small arms of course yes uh, I think there was four arrests then mm-hmm. well, Denny McCulloch was one and, uh, and um, Jerry Horley Another who was killed in Cork then, during the...
1: Well, there was one shot fired anyhow, wasn't there?
4: Um, yes, I heard. There was one shot fired before, uh, on the road to, from Stewartstown to Coal Ter Cookstown. Mm-hmm. I don't know what really happened. I suppose one of the volunteers had been a bit... He
1: had fallen by the wayside somewhere. Yes, likely. <laughs> Had a to drink too many, possibly. Yeah. Mm. Right, James. Remarkable. William, you're a son of Willie John Kelly, the famous IRB man.
5: Yes. And he was a great friend of Tom great Clark's. friend of Tom Clark's, yes. Yeah. And I remember Tom Clark arriving in Dungan here, just next door to where I reside at present, with some rifles from afar. It was I around
1: 1914? Around 1914, yes. They were some of the hosts... Or cool
5: guns, I believe. I think uh, Sean T. O'Kerry ex president had chosen for a while. That's right. Well now do you remember what happened in Easter week or around Easter week in nineteen sixteen, William? Well, I remember the Belfast men coming to Kalin on holy Saturday night and the mobilization was cancelled and they had to return Belfast on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Did you, uh, your people meet them here in Dungannon? Yes, a brother of mine and another man by the name of Thomas Hamill boarded the train at three and My Station and came to Dungannon with him and gated the Monticle Mhm. Well, and there was another effort then to
1: uh,
5: mobilize after Easter Sunday. Yes, the Dungannon and Donald Moore men were instructed to mobilise at Carrick Moor on Easter Tuesday night. And there were some other men to meet them from Carrick Moor. And I think Dr. McCartan was to be there with them, but when the of Moor and the uh, men arrived, there was no one there to meet them, only two RIC men. <laughs> well, and they so didn't... Uh, no, they didn't, uh, they didn't interfere with them, but... Uh, they waited for a while, and they just had to return home to Dungannon.
3: Mm-hmm.
5: Well, then on the, the Thursday of Easter week, a daughter of James Connolly's arrived in Tyrone and wanted to know what was wrong, that they didn't make a move on Tuesday night. So a brother of mine, Thomas and uh, Tommy McGuigan, went to Carrick Moor with her, to interview Dr. McHarton, but when I got there, Dr. McHarton couldn't be found, so that's as far as I can go with that. Yeah. Well, did you
1: ever hear anything about joining up with Liam Mellows and the Galway Men?
5: No, the only thing I heard about was about uh, there were to march from Carrick to Clare. You never heard what they were to do in Clyde? No, I I, don't, I can't say what they had to do because I wasn't just directly and personally connected with the movement. I only stating this as I saw it myself as things were going on because my father and my brother were in the movement.
6: Yes.
5: Well, how many men would there have been from Dungannon now in Coal Island? Oh, well, I couldn't say how many would have been in Cole Island. I can only state of many went to Carrick Moore on Tuesday night. I think it was about, about eight. Mm-hmm. There was Harry Hart and his son, Peter. Uh, John Michael Vogue. Thomas Hamill. Robert Donaghy. A man by the name of McManus. He w- was in the chemist shop in Aries. Street. But I don't remember his Christian name, and the uh, my father, Harry oh, Hart, Tom is The next, they're nearly all dead now. Uh, aren't they? I think Tom's the only one alive out of the crowd that went. I'm not sure about Mister McManus. I heard he was still alive about Drogheda, but I don't know whether that's true or not.
1: Could you tell us, Seamus, how you collected the arms just before Easter Week, 1916?
7: Well, when we arrived in Belfast, <coughs> it would be around 12 o'clock at night, and along with Pete the Bono and Sergeant Mann there at Mattis, and they took us to somewhere, I don't just remember, around or opposite the Tonard Monastery, and they were loaded there. Mm-hmm. Clark's yeah. Well, who was with you on this expedition to Belfast, Seamus? Well, the car that I was in was driven by a Q Rogers, six-mile cross. And the other car was driven by a Thomas McGuigan from Dungan, and he was accompanied by William John Kelly, senior. That was accompanied
1: by to Tom Clarks. Well, how did you get on along the way? No accidents or anything.
7: Oh, we had one. I got a flat tyre in Lisburn.
1: Not a very good place, I'd say. Uh, not a good place
7: at all. Terribly bad at that time. Jesus Did name you remember them fellows? He was a great man. Well, well man. did you? managed to get it repaired? Oh, anyhow. there was. There was a friend of ours there that I knew earlier. Uh, he had a chemist's shop just in the cross. I just remember his name just at the moment. But we called there, and he got us fixed up and started on the road again for 40 down and Tyrone.
1: Well, where did you put the arms when they did arrive?
7: Oh, we arrived with the arms safe and well, and very stressed with the them, and a place they call Cor near Kul Island. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, they were all ready then for the lads coming from Belfast?
7: All ready for the lads coming from Belfast. Every man had his own rifle and revolver labelled. So there was nothing to do, only hand them out.
1: Mm-hmm. But were they handed
7: out? They were, yes. There wasn't one magistrate of any kind. When were they handed out? On Sunday.
1: Sunday morning? Yeah. And the people arrived from Belfast and from other plates, places in Tyrone Saturday night, did they, on Sunday morning? So
7: that is as far as from south Derry. <laughs>
1: There was a contingent from South Derry.
7: There was a big contingent of South Derry Raven right, in Kool Island too. There was a famous man there that was with them and charged them. He's dead since Q. Gribbon. Mm-hmm.
1: You
7: know that football chaps all.
1: Oh, yes. Were That's there some from Tombbridge and round Well, that would be Toome. That's Toome. Yeah. That's Toome. Yeah. yeah. That would be Toome all around. Well, then, what other parts of Tyrone did they come from?
7: All over Tyrone, all down. Carrickmore and Moy and Balagalli. Yeah. Ben Borb. Ben, ben Borb. John yeah. Shields, you can put that
1: in.
7: He's yes. John Shields was there, one of our leading men.
1: Yes. Well, now, uh, what happened when the all arrived? You were in charge of billeting them. I was. Well, what did that entail? What did you do? What had you to
7: oh, do? Yeah, get, b- get houses ready and beds and food and provide all that type of thing for them, you know, and late and everything like that. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, what sort of accommodation had they? Oh, it was just camp life, you know. You may just call it camp life. You know what camp life would be? Canoeys.
1: Well, there was a hall in Chest.
7: Oh yes, it? there was a hall, and there was a good dumpy house in more. that was McGrath's. Well, there was a good hall in Killaloe. And
1: uh, where did the officers stay now?
7: The officers stayed uh, off the hall. There was a place off the hall, no one, kind of officer's quarters.
1: Yes. And then on Sunday morning, what happened?
7: Well, they were all mobilised and paraded to the different churches where they were staying. Some of them went to King's Island, and the remained, they went to Cool Island, to mass there. And then they all come back and got cleaned up and got their breakfast and got ready to, to parade for action. Every man seen that his rifle and ammunition was all correct, and... We were ready at two o'clock. Then, when, the when countermanding order came, countermanding order came. Well, who got it? McCullough had that with him. Do you see? McCullough brought the order with well, him. I, he did. Mm-hmm. Well, and what was? P- Tim was there, and I don't mind who the. It was a whole lot of them. Archie Hearn was there. No, he was with me. Mm. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, anyhow, it was decided that
7: uh, there was going to be nothing done. It was, yes. It was decided going to be nothing done. They had that decided before they come to Kaleild.
1: I see.
7: They decided that up at McJartan's place, as far as I
1: know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know how you said that. Well, you were, in you were disbanded then, were you? Well, to disband disbanded. Mm-hmm. Well, did you go with the Belfast men? Well, only then?
7: to Cookstown, because I didn't know the road, but I came back
1: then. And <coughs> well well, were you there
7: was a, a bit of an incident, too, on the way to Cookstown. It was, what happened there? Uh, there was uh, an instant. There was uh, two detectives followed the Belfast man. They came with them on the train on Saturday evening, and stopped in Cullane and Barra on Saturday night, and then they walked after them to Cookstown. But this fellow had fired a shot. John Dillon. He's about Belfast, somewhere, right?
1: He's dead now, I think. god mercy
7: on him, yes. He fired a shot and going into Cookstown. was just a particular shot at somebody? He couldn't, you know, a hot-headed. Lad, and the policeman never said nothing to these detectives fellows till they come into Cookson. And as soon as they in Cookshan, he pointed this Dylan chap out to the police. Well, then he was arrested.
1: Wasn't Dennis McCullough arrested, too?
7: No, he wasn't. Dylan was only one. Uh, just over had a fire in the shot, he was arrested. Mm-hmm. But a mile at of Cookshon, he fired the shot. I think it did. not need to do.
1: Yes. Well, then there was another effort made to get the men together later on. Nora Connolly came around. Monday night. Monday night. Yeah. Well, did you meet her?
7: I did. We were all mobilised on Monday night.
1: And I
7: wanted her to stay here. <coughs> and I believe if she had her stayed here, we could have made a stand of some kind, somewhere. She seemed to be the only one who had any backbone of mine. That's true. <laughs>
1: Well, uh, she decided to go on...
7: She said, uh, if there was going to be no fighting in Cullisland, she says, if there's going to be no fighting here, if you're not going to f- fight, we'll go back to Dublin.
1: Yes. And back to the go. She went back then on the train to Dungannon and Dundalk.
7: No, got a charge to Dungannon and took the Midnight train, went on to Dundalk and
1: Dublin. Yes. Well, what was the plan of operation if there had been a rising now, if there had been some action, what was going to happen, Seamus? Well, the plan
7: of operation is as far as I know, we were to uh, mobilise in Coal at two o'clock and march for Pemroi, take over Pemroi barrack, go on to Carrick Moor, take over it, go on to Lomey and take over all government barracks and such like there, and cut out then west. Soodramur and Fintner for in the Skiln, and down into Swillen Bar. And from that on to Munnar Hamilton and Blitherum and down into Slago. Colony, I think it was. Colony or Colony, uh, Colony and uh, meet... Uh,
1: the Galway men.
7: Meet the Galway, uh, man. Mellows. Le- meet Leo Mellows there and create an native territory down the west from Sligo down to Galway and hold that fast fortify mm-hmm. the know that was about the plans now
1: well something could have been done you think if they had set about it no doubt about it some blow could have been struck yes Yeah. well d- did you ever hear that Seamus Connolly had said that not a shot would be fired in Ulster that he hadn't intended any rising in Ulster
7: well these plans were made by the Supreme Council of the ARB, by the War Council. And so James Connelly must have knew all about that,
1: mm-hmm. wasn't he? He must have. Uh, he it did do. And he did, in fact, send his daughter back uh, Doesn't that show afterwards you? He's two daughters. Two daughters. Mm-hmm. So that you don't think that that was his intention, that there shouldn't be no, no. some action here?
7: No, no. Yeah. It was a good idea if we could have got through to joined up with Mallers in the West... It would have helped them terribly well in Dublin. It would, do you say? How would you have managed? What sort of transport had you say? Well, we did commandeered. Everyone would have got from a donkey to a racehorse. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah. There was lots of
1: horses
7: horse got, the got c- there. There think? was lots of horses and carts in the country. Pairs of horses and ponies,
1: mm-hmm.
7: and we could have got there. A good lot of us could have got there somewhere. Uh, through uh, horse transport. And you had the arms, too? We had the arms. We had lots of arms. Yeah. They were all
1: uh, found mm. afterwards, weren't they, by the... No, not at all. No. But well, we some know. of them were taken, no, any
7: No, 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 no. Many good was taken. No. You see. Oh, we well, had even Thompson guns. I just took brought all the way out America or good. You had a Thompson gun, hadn't you, on your way down from Belfast even? Had.
1: Yeah. All the way through Lisbon and all... Ported down in all the other places. Yes, and your, ma-
7: your man had a German savage automatic
1: revolver. that was n- driven. I see. Cue. Yeah. Well, now, when nothing happened, you did make an effort to get to Dublin, Seamus.
7: I a kind of a war, you know, but it was terribly hard to make one. Willie John Kelly and myself. I don't know about that. What did you do? I would need to see Kelly about that, you know. He might say something and get my, nema- my own name nema- out.
1: Well, you got as far as Portadown, didn't you? Yeah. How did you get there?
7: Bicycles, stool bicycles, and got there. <laughs> yes. Commandeered, rather. Commandeered is the word. Yeah. The word. Commandeered bicycles. The word. Yes.
1: Well, at Portadown, what happened?
7: Oh, we could get no further. No transport there, nothing else there. No trains going at all.
1: Yeah. So that was the end of the rising. That as far was as the, the end old? of
7: our rising.
1: Joe, did you meet the Belfast? Volunteers when they arrived here in Coal Island? Yes, I did. On Easter Sunday morning or Saturday night? Saturday evening. Saturday evening at what time? Around about six o'clock. Mm-hmm.
6: On Saturday evening, they arrived at uh, the little volunteer hall at Dythresk. And from there, there was a portion of them billeted in the hall, another portion billeted in a farmhouse. Some short distance away, another portion in Coal Island. Mm -hmm. Well, they remained there during the night, all the usual arrangements, and (coughs) they were supplied with refreshments and all that.
1: That was part of your job, was it, to see that they got something to eat? Well,
6: yes, I give a hand in that respect, but the the ladies in the district were most generous in that respect. Mm -hmm, They helped too. Well, they helped out very, very well.
1: Mm-hmm.
6: Was Nora Connolly among Nora, them? Nora Connolly was there. Yes, yeah, she stopped in a in a house by the name of McGrath mm-hmm. in derry thresk mm-hmm. That's where she was entertained.
1: Well, do you remember an incident that evening where one of the lads shot himself through the foot or something? Ah, like yes,
6: that? that was accidental. Ah, it wasn't much, you know, it was accidental, but... Nora Connolly was called on to attend around stayed than usual. Mm-hmm.
1: There was nothing else of any great account that night, though?
6: Well, no, there wasn't.
1: They Just all went to
6: bed and... They all settled down settled for the down night. And they went to mass on Sunday morning in King's Island Chapel, paraded to mass here. That was a, a bit unusual to see a military torn out to the... A lot of the people didn't really understand what was taking place. Yes. Well,
1: there were arms here too. Oh, yes. Well, they weren't distributed, actually, to the Ah Oh, no, not
6: on uh, the countermand, nor they had uh, done away with that part of it.
1: Mm-hmm. So they only had
6: small arms. Well, anything they had, I suppose, were uh, concealed small arms
1: on their person, any of them that had them, mm-hmm. I would say. Well, now, what sort of efforts were made... Afterwards to get the men together when the when it was decided to go ahead when fighting had actually started in Dublin now Well
6: things were quite chaotic in this part of the country That countermand northern did an awful harm in that respect in in my opinion (coughs) It, uh, It left things quite well mixed up you might say Yes, nobody knew what to do. Nobody knew what to do. Mm -hmm. And you were just uh, watching and waiting.
1: Yeah.
6: Well, were you kept under mobilization orders? Oh, yes, we were on mobilization order for a good few days.
1: Mm -hmm. Well, some people went to Carrickmore afterwards. Were there any from Derry
6: Tresk, say? Uh, I'm not sure about that. I don't think there was. Yeah. Did you hear anything about the campaign they had? Oh, yes. We we knew all about the campaign, all right. Of course, the countermanding order knocked that all on the head, as far as the ordinary volunteer was concerned. Yeah, It was all
1: over, really, once the counterme- countermanding order came, ah, it as was far as this part was it concerned. It was, certainly. Yeah.